Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I am interviewing a good buddy of mine today, and he's a man that was from and with the Shepherd's Crook from the very beginning, and he is the man, the myth, the legend. This is Mr. Riley Adam Both. Riley, how's it going, man? It's going well. Thanks for the great introduction. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you are an interesting dude. You come from a line of interesting people with your dad. These folk stories of your dad are just amazing. We may get to those, but why don't we pray? <laughs> And then one, I want to hear about the Majesty's Men. You'll hear in a second, everybody, that he is the starter of the Majesty's Men, but you've been in pastoral ministry. I want everybody to know a little bit more about you, but let's pray first, and then we'll get to know you a bit. Cool. Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for my friendship with Riley and for his leadership. I thank you that he's done a, such a good job of, of leading people, uh, leading men in particular. I thank you for all that you've been doing in his life and pastoral ministry. Uh, I thank you for what you've been doing in his home with, uh, with Margo, his wife, and with his children. And God, it's just a neat thing to see a man take seriously providing for his family and working hard, investing, uh, and just having so many different irons in the fire and doing those things well. I just admire that. I thank you for a friend and a brother. Lead this discussion. I trust that you will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, man, why don't you bring everybody up to speed and tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about your family and then tell us what you're currently doing. Yeah, so uh, about myself is the difficult and interesting thing, as you've already alluded to. Um, I'll just tell you what I'm currently doing, and then we can kind of work back from there as the topic develops, I suppose. But yeah, I am husband to a great, amazing wife and two little ones. So we have two under two at least for a couple months still. Um, she'll turn two in December. And right now it's, you know, September when we're recording this. So right. two under two. And um, I live in the middle of nowhere on a ranch, a pretty large ranch. Um, we've got a lot of acreage, a couple hundred cattle. Um, and it's my family, it's my family ranch. So my, I'm actually in a house, we're renovating the house right now that is on a homestead that my grandfather was born on so now wait a minute was he born in that house so that it was actually a tiny little um you know house that doesn't exist anymore kind of like a okay. mud hut off to the side but uh right i am the fourth generation of my family to be in the united states and so they've pretty much always lived right here on this land and uh so it's kind of a cool deal it's a it's a nice little establishment and we only just recently moved back here we've we had church planted and been in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, near just outside of Kansas City for the last like eight or nine years. And uh, we only recently moved back here just this year for a number of reasons, but um, that's kind of all part of the story. But that's what we're currently doing as well as, like you mentioned, running the Majesty's Men. Um, I have a web development business that I, I and I've brought on a partner. We handle a bunch of clients even outside of the Majesty's Men. And uh, so, we, so we do that. And then I renovate homes and work on houses and stuff for people as well. So I've got a lot of irons in the fire to do, wear a few different hats. So, I mean, that's all awesome. the current stuff. That's not even the past journey. <laughs> and the cumulative years that you've been in pastoral ministry at various different positions, how many years were you in pastoral ministry? Yeah. Um, so let's see, about, about seven, I think, about okay. seven years. Yeah. 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And so the name both German, four generations back. So what did mm -hmm. is it German? Correct. Yes. Yep. Okay. So where when was that? When was the original entrance into the United States then in your family? So four grandpas ago was that like what the late eighteen hundreds? Yeah, mid mid eighteen hundreds um, okay. via some route through like Russia, I guess, from Germany to Russia and on down. I think is is how most people think it happened. And so yeah, okay. And for some reason came out here to the Midwest and and thought this was the place to be farming and, and ranching. So. Which, and it's a very hard land in West Oklahoma to, to ranch and to farm, to make it out there is very difficult. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, very. So I think at one point, like in the early 1900s, late, eight, late 1800s, um, there was more water here. And the other thing that really established a lot of people here in the early 1900s was they found a lot of oil. So okay. a lot of people, the joke is a lot of people became really good farmers when they found oil on their land. So, ah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so now you're re remodeling this house. You remodeled like four or five houses. This house is on the land that you've had for so many generations back. And whenever it was built, you, you were telling me you've got a bathroom full of this old tile and then your <laughs> pastor's bathroom. You went to your pastor's house, the bathroom there had the same tile and you're removing tile. Now I've removed tile. I've put tile in and removed it. It's terrible, mm -hmm. but you are salvaging it and putting in this new bathroom. So how awful was it taking that tile off out of the bathroom? <laughs> well, it, I mean, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a challenge to take tile down without breaking it. I mean, it's a challenge to put it up. It's even more of a challenge to take it down without breaking it. But uh, you know, the cool thing is, I mean, and this is just, God has worked so strangely in my life to like bring stuff about that, um, you know, we were able to bless this family that has six kids and two adults. That's the, the pastor of this church we're going to right now. And uh, they only had one tiny little rinky dink shower that was off their master bedroom. So they needed this. And then we needed this tile because it's so obscure and we couldn't have found it anywhere. And so it just worked out that, man, we got to get in there and do it. And it was hard. We tried putting one of his sons to work on it too, but he kept mm -hmm. breaking them. And I was like, no, 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 we, we can't afford to have these broken. So we had to fire him and, and get him out of there. But yeah, it was hard work, but it was, man, it was a total God thing, the way he provided. I mean, and that's the, like, that's the whole, that's just what God does in my yeah. life. Like constantly, he's just like, hey, <laughs> awesome. you know how I started developing this skill in you for the last four years? Let's capitalize on that right now. And so it worked out great, man. We're going to have a pretty cool shower here in this house now because we <laughs> found this tile in our pastor's house, like that's of all things. Awesome. Well, I've been admiring Jordan and I both have, and you know, we, we've got to visit and hang out together with as couples a few times. Now you guys got to visit us here in Illinois and we watch on Instagram and we always enjoy seeing the thing that you guys are doing. It's always very interesting. Whatever you're doing, it's always, it, it's got an appeal to it because it, it's a com combination of hard work and art. And when you combine yeah. those two things, you make something beautiful, but it took blood, sweat and tears and it's neat to see the process. And then in between, we'll see a video of, you know, like taking out a cow or something like that or doing something <laughs> on the farm. So yeah. you guys live an interesting life for sure. But then you got on the side, not, I mean, you've been doing the Majesty's Men for a while, but so for, for those of you don't know, Riley and the Shepherd's Crook go back to when Riley and I were just talking to each other and I was writing a little bit for the Majesty's Men and he hosted my site, the Gospel Post. And then some timing things worked out really well and he built the shepherd's crook website he runs the honor god network he does web design for a lot of people and if you need web design contact him he would love to build your site pay him some money and he will build it and he does a great job but you get this majesty's men thing that is we're really i mean 
I mean, I want to hear your heart, but I mean, even the direction of some of the things that's been happening recently seems to shift with it and could be shifting mm-hmm. in light of what God's been doing in your life the last year, man, you've been spitting fire on Instagram and on Facebook and causing to start some fires and I've been <laughs> loving it, but I, I just want to hear, let's hear, let's go to the majesty's men. And then I want to hear what has lit a fire in you to be bold about what the scriptures have to say in light of what's going on in the world. So majesty's men, and then this, this boldness that we've seen that I've absolutely loved. Tell us about it. Yeah. Well, so it's it's funny thing too. The Majesty's Men is such a uh, encapsulation of my journey, just spiritually, and and even just the Lord teaching me what it means to be a man. Because I mean, I I can basically tell my work story by by telling the Majesty's Men story, which started, I mean, clear back in college. So in college, um, which you know, I, this might be more than you're asking for, but I'll just kind of give you the quick overview in college. Um, I had been raised in the church and was a professing Christian. And to this day, I don't know that had I stood before the Lord that I was really saved, but mm. I mean, I would have punched you in the face for saying I wasn't, but you know, that, <laughs> that tells you something too. So, um, but in college, God just whoops up on me, just breaks me of some sin and some rebellion that I was really holding to and thinking I could live a double life. Mm. And uh, I ended up going on staff with this collegiate ministry who had a bunch of strong guys in the community. And they were like, we don't know what to do with them. You just do something, do a men's ministry. And they were basically like, do a like book study like the women do and talk about your feelings. And I was kind of like, ah, that doesn't seem right. And I was dealing with these questions of like, what does it mean to be a man? Like Mm -hmm. I had a Christian father that's a good, faithful, hardworking um, patriarchal type, like strong man. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but he was never great at just like explaining all the, I mean, he tried, he did, he, he taught us the word and we went to church, but, but I just didn't understand like how it all connected and why. Uh Um, and cause I mean, he had no one that ever taught him that either. And so, so there, here I am in college in charge of men's ministry. And I'm just like, we got to do something better than this. And long story short, we ended up building, I'm kind of entrepreneurial, just naturally growing up on a farm and a ranch. Uh, um, just that's the way I learned to operate in the world. And so I was like, we got to do something. So we built this huge like regimen. I won't even get into all of it, but it was like multiple stages of like commitment and development all the way to, I basically subleased this house from the mayor in town right next to the campus, um, shared a bar, uh, shared a wall with the, the most popular bar on campus. And we just did this ministry and packed this house full of guys. Hmm. They all lived in like bunk beds in this. And <laughs> out of out of that house grew the Majesty's Men because we would just have these rich conversations about what it means to be a, a man of God and just to walk and engage God's word and God's world. And um, we just started realizing other people didn't have these conversations. It was abnormal. And friends from around the country were like, man, how do you guys have this culture? And so we just like said, let's start a blog and record some of this and write some of it down. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened was it just blew up. Like before, within about a year, we had um, like nearly a hundred guys involved and all this just kind of virtual community. And I just realized there was a lot of people saying manhood in this nation has a problem. But the thing was, I didn't know what the solution was. And right. I didn't even know who the enemy was. I was like, I felt like we were at war, but no one realized we were at war. And I didn't know who the enemy was and nor how to use this warship I was building. That was the Majesty's Men website. Right. But as God does, I had been blogging already for a while and um, just kind of wanting a better website. I had started teaching myself web design. So I'm fully self-taught in all my web design stuff, but I've been doing it now for like 12, 15, 12 to 15 years, somewhere right in there. And so I just kept making it better and more guys kept getting involved and, um, things just fell in place. And so to fast forward, 
I ended up saying, uh, I, I feel called to the local church more than this, you know, collegiate ministry. So that's when about a year into that, after about a year of being married, which I had just got out of college, my wife was still in college, we became pastors of a, a small local church. Um, I was pastor, she was just pastor wife. Um, and thanks for the clarification that, on that. <laughs> yes, yes, that's an important clarification. <laughs> and and so, but I just kept doing the Majesty's Men because it was just kind of like, hey, here's some online community. I was getting to know a lot of guys and developing a lot of friendships through it. You came around somewhere in that like second or third year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we we're just meeting guys who are also just trying to figure out what it meant to be a man of God. And and so here I am pastoring a church, um, just doing the Majesty's Man and started to take on some web design clients. Um, well, before long, we ended up going, getting asked to go plant a church. And, you know, again, the Majesty's Men just moved with me. We, right. we had no yep. idea what we were doing. And here I am planting a church, still don't really know what it means to be a man of God. But again, God was just really faithful in that we moved to Kansas City thinking I, was, I would start seminary school. We realized, you know, seminary school is really expensive. And we started thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe just given that, like, we've just been pastoring this small church, which you don't get wealthy pastoring this tiny rural church of like, on the biggest day, we'd have maybe 40 people, right? Mm-hmm. And so we weren't exactly wealthy. Margo was still in college. She was doing student teaching at the time. And so we were like, maybe we should just try paying off some debt before we take on even more debt for seminary. Because I felt called to ministry, but at the same time, I was like, but do I need to have that much debt to be in ministry? Right. Didn't reconcile that either. So I said, mm-hmm. I said, how about we just get a job and we pay off some debt first, especially with you student teaching. Um, and so, and, and I had been earning a little grocery money for my own blog during this time because I was a real avid writer and blogger. And so earning a little grocery money, but never taking a dime from the Majesty's Men. Still haven't to this day. And so we're like, let's do this. I tried looking for a job couldn't find one in this city. We're brand new, couldn't find a job, wanted to use my degree. So I ended up saying, you know what? I'll just start my own business. So that was the first time I started a business. Um, that was the magazine? Was that the magazine? Yep, yep, started a magazine. So sold about $300,000 in advertising into a magazine that didn't exist to a bunch of strangers who had never seen me before in this city. <laughs> and um, I just convinced them it was gonna be the greatest thing. in this city like packed full of magazines already but sort of differentiated myself and, and, and made it happen. And so I ran that for like a, a monthly magazine doing everything from like editorial to picture, like everything the photography, a lot of ad design, clients and management and sales, everything for about a year and a half uh, before I was like, this is wearing me out so much and I don't love it. Uh, but it was profitable, didn't have any debt in it. And so it was a good experience. We earned a living. And about that time, the church finally started being able to pay me. So I shut that down, exited that, and uh, was on staff with this church that we were planting. Okay. And so in the church planting and the web design business, we were making enough to just get by. Um, and at least we weren't taken on debt at seminary school, but it was still like thinking, probably going to go to seminary. Well, mm-hmm. so... So anyway, we just uh, fast forward, you know, the Majesty's Men just kept kind of building and building. And it was in that time that we we decided we got these guys that are strong writers like yourself. We, we had Abby, you know, a few other guys that were great writers. And again, I'm like, I don't know what it means to be a man, but but I can look at these men and say, it looks sort of like them, at least. I know that much. So let's promote them and give them what we've built into the Majesty's Men to just help them spread what they're doing. You know, their writing, their work and hold them up as models. So that's when we started the network. 
And um, it turns out it was just an accidental, excellent idea just brought on from <laughs> God's sovereign timing. Cause, cause now that's sort of our bread and butter is like, we have this whole network where we, we give guys what we've built into the majesty's men. And again, that's gone, that went on for like two, three years, I guess, of just saying, here's a great guy. Look at him, be more like him as he's more like, as, as he is like Christ. Um, and just to fast forward again, I ended up quitting that church, basically just willingly went to him and said, I, I want out, I want off staff. I was basically associate pastor, preached a lot, did a lot of organizational leadership in the church. But the lead pastor went pretty much full-blown egalitarian. He still called himself complementarian, but by no means was he. And uh, a lot so of- kind of like the SBC. Yeah, basically was right up the SBC's alley these days. And um, yeah, he's feeling really, really uh, affirmed by the SBC these days. But um, I just went to him and said, no, like again, this isn't manhood. This isn't biblical manhood. Um, I still don't know what is exactly, but this isn't it. And I was growing, but that really pushed me over the edge to start saying, what is it? I'm tired of being poor. My wife's now wanting kids. We're in feeling called to ministry, but it's just keeping us broke as a joke. Mm -hmm. And I can't do seminary school because I can't justify the huge cost in that for the return for, for what. And so I just went on this searching time even kind of shut the majesty's men down for quite a while i mean the network was still going but we weren't putting out content from the main site and um and just started searching and in that time we found a house that was just a dump mm -hmm. like no one in this city would touch this house and it had sat vacant for two years in a, in a city that the longest of houses on the market is like 30 days so it mm -hmm. was terrible termite ridden uh, had been flooded I'd look at my wife and I'd say, Hey, we're, we're so broke. If you ever want a house, this is it. And if you want to have kids, like, let's, let's go ahead and get this done first. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you know, we were talking about all that. And again, God just being so good. I mean, my wife looked at me and said, you know what you're doing? I said, I've handled tools my whole life. The rest of it is probably on YouTube. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. And, and so we did. And she just, for some reason was like, okay, let's do it. And um, the Lord provided a whole nother story on how, because again, we were really broke and just amazing God story. We got put in touch with the president of a bank. We ended up getting the loan. He's just like, I like you. I trust you. I think this is going to be good. And just, he took a chance on us. Um, I didn't even realize he was the president of the bank. I thought it was just a loan officer. It was just an amazing God thing. And uh -huh. you know what? we worked hard. And during that whole time, I was just binging on books about what it meant to be a man uh, eldership, what it meant to be a pastor, all this stuff. And this is, is that when you discovered rules for reformers as well? Is that um, when that it, happened? So that was, no. So I started discovering Douglas Wilson during that time. Okay. But I didn't. Um, so I, I worked through a whole bunch of material during that time. But it was, um, it was about a year, well, year and a half after that year that I first read Rules for Reformers. And so, okay. yeah, I mean, and, and again, at the end of that year, I had this skill set. We had just designed this beautiful house because when you, have a fixer upper like that you get to make it your own mm -hmm. and people would come in and again i this is my first year not doing full-time ministry and and we ended that year and realized wow we now suddenly have some wealth mm -hmm. and it was a really strange thing to be we went from being like in the like red just debt and hardly any income from the ministry life to having a substantial amount of wealth all of a sudden mm. and um we were like this is kind of nice <laughs> um, and I, I realized, I was like, 
hey, look, I now have all these tools and all this knowledge. And people started coming over and saying, can you do this like in my bathroom or in my basement or for us? And I was like, why not? <laughs> and so, and you know, I wish with this whole story and with everything, it's like, I wish I could take some credit somewhere for being just really wise and figuring stuff out. I feel like everything has just been a sovereign happy yeah. accident. God just dropping um, it in your lap. Yeah. And me just continuing to work hard. Like, and, and so, you know, I started doing that and now, Fast forward, we've renovated four houses in three years um, and flipped one, kept two for, for rentals. We're living in one now that we've renovated we, we, and we're living without uh, any living costs. And um, we have gone from, instead of, in the time it would have taken to go to seminary and rack up about you know, 150, 200,000 in debt maybe. Um, in that same amount of time, we've built up 150, 200,000 in wealth. Man, and, that's great. And and the whole time kept just binging on books and podcasts, audiobooks, just working hard um, and learning. And one cool tidbit that I skipped over is I actually did start, I went to the seminary school because I, this was about a year and a half, two years ago, went to the seminary school, said, said uh, went to their uh, maintenance department, said, I can, I can do everything you need me to do. They said, take a test and prove it. I took a test. They said, wow, you do know what you're doing. Cause I didn't tell them I just finished renovating the house all year. Uh -huh, right. Um, and so they hired me full time to renovate all their apartments and just kind of put me in charge of doing that. And they said, now as a full-time um, worker here, you get free seminary. And so God provided that as well. And with it in my lap, like in my hands, completely paid for, I said, no, I hmm. don't think this is it. Um, and I just talked to my wife, sought a lot of counsel on it. And we decided even now with the money, not being the issue, the time and what, how we wouldn't be able to build any wealth during this. And this, uh, we'll get to why I think that this matters. I know this is kind of why we're having this call, but we looked at how we wouldn't be building any wealth during that time. But at the end of three years, I'd have a piece of paper. Right. And you know, and hopefully some good knowledge, you know, but I'd, I would talk to these guys at the seminary just every day, all day, just having conversations while I'm in their apartments working on stuff. And I just started realizing I'm learning everything they're learning and I'm not mm -hmm. paying for it, yeah. you know, just, mm -hmm. through, just through the abundance of resources out there. Yeah. And this isn't to say, I don't want to like some guy to hear me, like seminary across the board is wrong. I don't think that it's good for some people, but I think working is a lot better for most people. Yeah. Um, and the reason being, because like I said, we're in a totally different place now than we were. And, um, and this is now tying back to your question of like, where, you know, when I'm brave online and saying these things online, um, I, it's not just that I'm so brave and I'm just willing to like sacrifice everything and, and die. Like I'm actually in operating from a place of strength for once. Mm -hmm. And so and, and like Christians hear that and they're like, Oh, well, that's not good. Like we should be meek. And what they really mean by that is weak. And, mm -hmm. and no, that's not true. Like, um, so, you know, I'm skipping all over the place, but to tie that all together is just, you know, we've now got to a place where we're pretty anti-fragile. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so think about it. You think, does it, will a church, you know, cause I still feel called to ministry and I still think I'm going to get back to doing, you know, eldership and pastoring a church someday, Lord willing. Still hoping you find, find that path uh, in Southern Illinois. <laughs> that would, that would be all right. And, you know, <laughs> um, will a church in the future be like, you know, oh, you don't have a paper and that really like without that degree behind your n name, I don't think we want you as opposed to like, 
they'll say, wow, you can work for free, basically. We don't even have to pay you because of the passive income and wealth you've built up. And like, instead of paying you a big salary, we can put that money into ministry and the community and the church body. Like, mm -hmm. which, which do you think they'll be more, you know, excited over? Like the piece right. of paper or that? And yep. any church that would denounce the second in, in, in desire for a piece of paper is not a church I'd want to be a part of anyway. So, yeah. so yeah. So to tie up with the Majesty's Men, this is where I've come now um, just with over the years learning this stuff. And I've started to realize through reading things like um, C.R. Wiley, you know, I've, mm -hmm. you've had him on your podcast. He's got yep. some content on this and a lot of just other men that there's this whole Christian dark web manosphere of guys <laughs> starting to be like, you know what? Complementarianism has not held the line because it was mm -hmm. basically built as a defense. And, yep. and, and like, why? anyways because we have the biblical model is this biblical patriarchy and and so you know and so i've just been like embracing this and learning as i go and god has been just orchestrating it so that i'm living it out because i'm just asking god help me help me yeah. figure this out. help me like just direct my my path i'm just keeping on taking steps and man he has and so to tie in your rules for reformers book that was a paradigm shift of just asking God help. I have all these questions. I need to reconcile these things. I stumbled onto Douglas Wilson's rules for reformers. And this was now like a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like this eye opening thing of like who we can be as men and the, and the war we should be engaging in and, and how, and uh, you know, again, just going back to, there's this, there's this thing with pastors. There's this thing in the church where, they are so dependent on the money and the income from the church mm -hmm. that if they have these grumpy, stodgy folks, old folks here that want a certain thing, they're going to do it. If they have the woke scolds in their church, they're, they're going to bow before them because mm -hmm. if they have six kids to feed and they have no marketable skills outside of the church, what are they going to do? Yeah. Um, they're not, you know, the phrase that's becoming pretty popular. They're not anti-fragile. They're yeah. very fragile. And so, this just been a cool thing that God has brought me to. And so I just realized earlier this year when things really started blowing up and, you know, we could talk about, that's a whole nother topic of, of the woke stuff. I just yep. realized there's a lot of people that want to say things, but just can't. And I just looked at where God had me and said, so shame on me if I don't, mm -hmm. um, because I can, and no one can cancel me at this point um praise praise the lord like it's just <laughs> all credit to god and the way he yeah. has sovereignly moved us um no one can cancel me no one can i mean you know they've tried we were running an airbnb we got these crazy reviews because because they looked up my social media stuff and uh <laughs> oh, there man. was some there were some books on the shelf that were you know anti-gay and mm -hmm. anti all this stuff and, and you know they tried but like right it didn't matter because we were, we had these beautiful homes that we had remodeled and people loved them. And so, you know, they try to cancel, but it doesn't matter because we have multiple revenues of stuff. We shut the Airbnbs down and we're doing just as fine yeah. now, like just Man, as well. So. And, and I love that. There, there's a shift that I've seen in you and that I'm seeing in several pastors and it's not well received by the watching evangelical world. And you and I know that I've, I've gotten, just by a few comments that I've made, just small comments about the gospel coalition. And mm -hmm. then I get endorsements removed because of, or endorsement singular 
because of just a small questioning, not even a angry upset, just a small question uh, and comment about the gospel coalition. And there's this defensive posture from one side. And one of the things that I'm, I'm noticing and that rules for reformers helped me with, and I see helping you with, and even the majesty's men moving forward from our conversations together is pastoral ministry and the offense. Mm-hmm. Pastoral on the on the ministry on the defense is is playing it safe, and you're you're just trying to to be a good defender, and you're putting out fires, and you're looking about and seeing who's upset, and trying to make sure everybody is is quote unquote peaceful as possible. But we look <laughs> at the New Testament, we look at the New Testament, and Jesus was on the offense. The gospel mm-hmm. is advancing and moving forward, and forceful men lay hold of it. We look at the gospel of or the uh, the, the look at uh, the book of Acts and see Paul moving forward and. Uh, Toby Sumter says that the book of Acts is evangelism by riot. I mean, it's uh, yeah. riot by riot by riot in, in one city to the next. It is this offensive game, not this defensive posture. And so pastoral mm-hmm. ministry, I think, has been catechized. We've been catechized for years. Just, I mean, play it safe, be nice, be helpful, weep with those who weep, all good things, clearly. But what's been malnourished in evangelical pastoral word, world is where's your courage to say what God has to say and not apologize to other brothers and sisters, but not apologize to the world either. Apologizing right. to the world is not a good evangelistic model. No. Well, so this is, I mean, going clear back to the church I was a part of where the lead pastor basically became a full-blown egalitarian during our five years of, of working together. Um, one of the resounding things that would come up, like I would, I would read scripture and be like, Hey, th- this seems like black and white. Let's just take a hard stance on this. And it would always come up of like, well, that's prideful. You know, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Cause that's, that's arrogant because think about how many people throughout human history have, have wrestled with this. And so it, it was always framed as like, as this arrogant thing and the most humble thing, the most Christ-like thing was supposed to be to just kind of say, Hey, we don't know. We're all working through this together. Let's no one (laughs) take a hard stance. And that sounds good if you're just singing songs together in a building on a Sunday. But as soon as you try to go downtown, we had Lawrence was a really liberal city. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you try to go downtown and say witness to someone on the street who they just look at you and say, well, isn't love love. And can't I (laughs) just marry my lesbian friend here? well, suddenly you need something concrete and you can't be looking at your, your supposed brother in Christ next to you going, well, what are you going to say about it? Because Mm -hmm. it might contradict what I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Like you suddenly realize that this whole, like make things as vague as possible and only talk about soteriology and justification by, by faith, you know, like that's, that is unity. You Mm -hmm. start to realize that's not actually unity at all. Um, When scripture talks about unity, it's, it's unity of mind and it's always this unity of doctrine and and so that yeah, unity around truth talking, yeah unity around yeah. truth not unity yeah. around being nice right and so that way when you're out on the street doing ministry and you come to the pagan who's truly engaging you you two are on the same team like your brother there with you you can just vibe off each other you know what you're going to say and you can speak truth yeah. boldly and clearly because you've got this body that's got your back and yeah. And so I ended up telling him, I mean, as we left that church, I said, you know, here's the thing. I think it's more arrogant to say because, because others, um, so like, again, the phrase was always, you can't know this. Um, It's arrogant to say this because others have wrestled with it. I said, I think it's more arrogant to say, um, since I don't understand it, nobody can understand it. Because all I'm doing, all I'm doing is saying, 
these other people before me have understood it and I think it's right. And I think you can understand it too. Yes. And so I don't think it's the more prideful position. I think it's yep. a lot more humble to say, I'm just learning from these guys. And, and I mean, that's what I've continued to try to do. And even now with the majesty's men, like, yeah, we're, we're engaging a little bit more in cur current events and we're also engaging more in just like boldly saying, this is what God's word says about being a man yep. through and through. And it's not Christianity and especially biblical masculinity isn't just about being nice and friendly and be like befriending people and basically being a male version of a woman. Like mm -hmm. it's about applying all of God's word to all of God's world and life. And so, yeah, yeah uh, we're kind of, you know, learning to step into that. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, listen, we're 45 minutes in. So I got two, two final questions. I'm going to give them both to you at the same time and then you can answer them. Okay. Okay. Say somebody's liking what they're hearing and man, the majesty's men give a pitch for the majesty's men and the honor God network and tell us a little bit where, where we're going in the future. And then yeah. the final question is, you know, Riley both tell us why you love Jesus so much. Hmm. Yeah, so with the Majesty's Man, I mean, it's like what I just said. We are we are starting to really embrace what it means to be a man. I feel like finally, after seven or eight years of existing now, we're no longer just like saying it like, hey, we're all on this journey together. We're starting to say the world needs us to say this is what it is. Like God mm -hmm. has spoken clearly. Let's stop being embarrassed about it. And yeah. so we're taking a hard, harder, stronger stance as men should. And uh, so we're going to be on the central site, themajestiesmen.com. Um, you can find me and other guys too. We're, we're, we're launching a podcast, a good friend of ours. I think you've had him on his podcast, Bo. Yep. Bo Hutches. Bo Hutches. Yep. Launching soon. I think it's actually, you can already find it on the website, but no, we haven't officially launched it. So just, we're going to be engaged in this. What does it mean to be a man of God? And so, you know, it's really complimentary. We've talked about your ministry. You very much target pastors. We try to, with Majesty's Men, like you target pastors, but we'll talk about manhood quite often as well. We target just men in general, but a lot of that will um, talk about pastoral leadership and stuff. Mm -hmm. So very complimentary. We're going to be doing that a lot more, a lot more boldly. We've got some really cool ideas, some like amazing ideas. I, I, I shouldn't even share them yet. They're just, we've got some <laughs> sweet ideas coming up that are going to be really cool. And also an app and some community stuff we're working on. That'll be really cool. With the network, it's the same thing I said, man, we're just going to keep finding guys who are like this exemplary men of God who are living out and like carrying responsibility, leading a family, a church, a business, you know, and doing it in a Christ-like God-honoring biblical mas masculine way. And we're going to just keep giving them what they need to do it yeah. even better. And so, I mean, that's what we do with the network. And so we just like every now and then we have to charge for something like a little bit, maybe, mm -hmm. but very, very minimal. Uh, low, less than you can get it anywhere else and way more cool. Like we're building some really ministry minded specific tool stuff too. So a lot of new yeah. things coming up that we're working on. And uh, yeah, so any, I mean, if anyone's interested, just have them hit me up. They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere at Riley Adam Voth, just full name. And they can, you know, follow the majesty's men everywhere on that too. And just hit me up. I mean, it's kind of right now, we're just kind of trying to seed everything with like the strong guys that, you know, are, are like us. And it's funny. You, you get in and look at it. These guys are really like-minded. You'll know whether you would fit in or not. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. And man, why I love Jesus. Uh, goodness. Cause he's, he's the most satisfying thing to love. I mean, mm. you, you can't love yourself <laughs> accurately and rightly without loving Jesus. Um, 
he is, he is the supreme. You know, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I was just, I was just like working on this bathroom and tile and stuff. And I was just contemplating when God says that he is the I am. He says, I am, I am. Like, that's his name. That's who he is. And I was just thinking like, the, like you could meditate on that the rest of your life and not mm-hmm. plumb the riches of that, the depths yeah. of like that statement that he is the I am. And like, there is no life outside of him. Um, everything is death outside of him. Um, we experienced last night uh, for the for the first time we had a chick die we've got we've got about 20 little chicks we're raising some chickens and mm-hmm. um our our almost two-year-old girl experienced death like comprehended it for the first oh, time she yeah. was so distressed she bawled her mom and i cried with her it was oh, so no. like devastating yeah. and and it was sad because she was super distressed and i and i was trying to tell her like it's okay like death death is this but you know she's she's not even two yet so i right. couldn't I couldn't explain like Christ and redemption and how he will defeat, like he has defeated death and he will do away with it. But, you know, and so this morning I just woke up thinking, how can anyone, anyone cope with life apart from Christ? Mm. Um, You know, it it is, he saved me when I was not worth saving and we love him because he first loved us. And there is everything about him. When you get rid of the, just say, okay, I'm going to set aside the worldly stuff and just take him for what he's saying. You start to realize how good and life giving it is. So that's awesome. Praise God, man. I love you, brother. I I appreciate all you do and all you've done for me personally. And Jordan, I love you and Margot and your family. And um, I'm hoping you get to come to the shepherd's crook intensive next year, man. You gotta, you gotta come back. Yeah, I know. I I wanted to come this year. We made it to the inaugural one and then didn't get to come to this year because we were renovating a house yeah well next you're gonna hear next year when you come you're gonna hear of the legendary 2020 intensive where seven (laughs) dudes almost died it's pretty pretty great but uh but hey man thanks so much for coming on the show yeah thank you thank you for listening for more information please visit the shepherdscrook.co for care and counsel please call text or email to set up a session You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.